0: Good morning, Uh, so the first reading is uh, Joel chapter 2 and we'll be reading from verses 18 to 32 and it's found on page 645, so Joel chapter 2 verse 18, then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people, the Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land, with its front columns going into the eastern sea, and those in the rear into the western sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land, be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers. Both autumn and spring rains are before you. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions." Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Um,
1: Today's New Testament reading is Acts 2, verse 32 to 40, um, and that's on page 771. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact "'Exalted to the right hand of God, "'he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit "'and has poured out what you now see and hear. "'For David did not descend to heaven, and yet he said, "'The Lord said to my Lord, "'Sit at my right hand "'until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. "'Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. "'God has made this this Jesus.' whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for for, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. This is the word of the Lord. Well,
2: good morning everyone, my name is Rhys, if I haven't met you, and it will be a pleasure to meet you after the service over coffee. Uh, let me begin by praying for us. O Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I'll turn our hearts to you and open our minds to receive your word. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, how much can I expect from God today? What does it mean to experience God's blessings? To put it in, a, in another way, what sort of joy does God want me to experience Today? You can go along to Christian bookstores and buy best-selling authors who have written books such as Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity and Redeemed from Poverty, Sickness and Spiritual Death. The basic argument of these sort of books is that God saved you in Christ. And he's not only given you spiritual blessings, but material blessings, healing, prosperity. And so... If you have faith, you can claim those. But if you aren't experiencing health or prosperity, well, then it's probably a lack of your faith. Now, I've put the extreme form of that view across to, to make a point, but that's known as the prosperity gospel, and it has received a lot of bad press, as you might have heard. But it would be easy for us just to write that off, wouldn't it? Just to write it off as, as greed masquerading as holiness. But before we write it off, I want us to notice that they're actually onto something, aren't they? Because don't we believe from the Lord himself that God is in control, that, that prosperity is a good gift from God? It doesn't come from luck. It doesn't come just from our own hard work and abilities. It's a gift from God. And it doesn't Don't we also believe that the Bible talks about prosperity? I mean, listen to what our Old Testament reading talked about today. Rejoice and be glad, says Joel in chapter 2, verse 21. Surely the Lord has done great things. And again in verse 23, be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers. And he goes down, your, your vats will overflow with new wine and oil. See, Joel's saying, rejoice because God will bless you abundantly. Doesn't God want his people to be prosperous and, and joyful? And shouldn't, shouldn't we expect this from him? Because after all, we don't want to live our Christian life as if following Christ makes no difference, as if all the benefits lie ahead. And being a Christian is just like having a ticket to heaven in your back pocket and you just struggle through life like everyone else. Well, the prophet Joel spoke these words many years before Jesus, but what he says sheds great light on this question for us. What can I expect from God today? Well, first of all, how does Joel end up urging the Israelites Rejoice and be glad. You might remember from last week, Joel told the same people to cry. He told them fast and weep and mourn. Because remember last week, Joel was warning them of a disaster looming a disaster of a plague of locusts that would wipe out all their crops and leave them starving. And he warned them an even bigger disaster the day of the Lord that was coming. The day when God would act decisively to set things right, to sweep away evil from the face of the earth. And the problem was, of course, that God's people themselves were part of that problem. And that disaster was heading towards them. And he pleaded with them, return to the Lord with all your heart. And so a key verse in Joel is in chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 where Joel pleads with the people, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. Who knows? You see, none of us can presume upon God's blessing. It's not like God owes us anything. It's not like he owes us anything a nice, comfortable life. And in the face of disaster, Joel says, all you can do is throw yourself on God's compassion. Who knows? And Joel, Joel leaves us hanging. What will God do? Well, the, the turning point comes soon. In verse 18, Then the Lord became jealous for his land and took pity on his people. See, as Joel had urged the people to repent because of God is compassionate, God actually responded with compassion, as is his way. He did show compassion, not because he had to, but because he just chose to. Because that's, that's the kind of God he is. He became jealous for his people, like a good husband is jealous for his wife and wants to protect her from harm. So the Lord spares his people. And what's the result of this? Well, look, he then promises them blessing and joy. I mean, first of all, he promises to stop the disaster of locusts, that the locusts will be driven away by God into the sea. But it's not just an end to the disaster, it's a complete reversal, a complete turnaround God will rain down abundant blessing on the land. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. It's this beautiful picture language again. But notice how it's like a mirror image of chapter one. In chapter one, we read about people weeping because wine was taken away from their mouths. And here in, in chapter two, it's a reverse the vats are overflowing with new wine. Instead of the fruit withering away and dying on the trees, the trees and vines will bear their fruit. Instead of people mourning because they can't offer God any um, any sacrifices in the temple, people will praise God. People will rejoice. Christians are sometimes caricatured as wowsers. This is kind of an Australian word. I don't know if you've heard it before. People that don't like fun. People that deny pleasure. I don't know if someone's ever said anything like that to you about what Christians are like. You know, like those uh, signs at the sort of council parks, you know, no skateboarding, no dogs, no fun. Doesn't stand up to what the scriptures say, doesn't it? No, God is a God of pleasure. God doesn't want to leave his people in disaster. He delights to prosper them. And so we have these wonderful promises. And pay pay particular attention to verse 25. If you're going through hard times, or or you know someone who is, listen carefully to the wonderful promise of verse 25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. I will repay the years that the locusts ate. This graphic image of the locust devouring these years of disaster. And it seems like those years have gone. And God's saying, no, I will give them back to you. And even more. I wish I knew this verse earlier in the year. Someone knocked at my door. Uh, turns out he had the wrong house. He was, uh, he was looking for another, another student at college who lived a few doors up. And had actually moved out um, a couple of weeks ago. But... It, you know, in God's providence, he knocked on my door and I could tell he was very distressed and I started talking to him. turns out he actually went to my school, so I kind of remembered him. Um, But he he, he sort of poured out his heart and explained how um, he felt his life was just second rate. He felt like he he regretted the choices he'd made, that he'd missed out job opportunities, that he'd missed out on a relationship, uh, and, and that he was living in lost years. And what I tried to comfort him with in my sort of bumbling way, Joel just says, so much better. God says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You see, if we take the wrong turn in life, the damage is never beyond God's repair. We're not off course. Jim Packer writes about this verse, our God is a God who not merely restores, but takes up our mistakes and our follies into his plan for us and brings good out of them. This is the wonder of his gracious sovereignty. I'll repay the years. And may, may we be a church community that looks out for each other so that we can comfort each other with these wonderful promises. And yet Joel saw something else in the future, even, even greater blessings that he, he ties up with the day of the Lord verse 28, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And down to verse 32, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the day of the Lord is still coming. It's still going to be a great and dreadful day of judgment. But there will be salvation for God's people. They will be sheltered. And more than that, God will bring about a new era of relating to his people, where he pours out his spirit on all his people, sons and daughters alike, even, even slaves. You see, Joel has seen an answer to Moses' prayer. Do you remember the story of uh, the day Joshua got shirty with Moses. So it's a fascinating story. It's in, it's in Numbers chapter 11, if you uh, want to look it up later. Numbers chapter 11. Let me, uh, let, let me rehearse the story for you. Um, Moses is struggling to look after all the Israelites and their complaints. And so God takes some of his spirit that he's put on Moses and shares it with 70 other elders. And when, the, when God's spirit rests on these elders, they begin to prophesy, they begin to speak God's words. But there are two other men who aren't on this list of 70 elders. And somehow the the spirit rests on them and they begin to prophesy. And Joshua gets word of this and he's, he's really upset and he says, Moses, stop them. And what does Moses say? Moses tells Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. See, Moses wished that all God's people would have the Spirit, could have that direct access to God, could, could speak God's words. And Joel says this will happen. In due time, this will happen. And so we have this amazing program for the future of God's people. Prosperity and abundance, the lost years restored, Security from enemies. Never again will my people be shamed. Intimate relationship with God. The spirit for all God's people. Salvation on the day of the Lord. Here's the good life. Can you see Joel's picture of what the good life is? What the life of joy is? Is that, is that your picture of the joyful life? It's easy for us to be deceived by the the images we see of celebrities on magazine covers and think, that's the good life. But there's no lasting joy without the God-centred life, without the life of joy that God gives. A life of joy without fear. But, of course, the burning question for us becomes, or well, when do these promises of blessings and joy come? It doesn't seem like my life now, Reese. My life feels more like the disasters that Joel spoke about in chapter 1. Human joy withering away like a dying fruit. Or maybe just somewhere in between, that kind of despair and joy. Well... Joel promised these things to the Israelites. And yes, we can assume God did stop the locust plague and he did give them good harvests. But we do know they didn't experience all these blessings. We know the history of Israel. We know that they suffered exile in Babylon, that when they came back to the promised land, life was never the same as before. They were ruled by foreign powers, first by the Greeks and then by the Romans. But another man of God came along, like Joel. Another man of God, and he claimed to know when these promises came true. Of course, this was the Apostle Peter. and our New Testament reading, is part of the first Christian sermon ever recorded, where he got up in Jerusalem and he spoke to his fellow Jews, and he quoted Joel, because he was explaining to them something that had happened. Peter said, look, the Holy Spirit has come. That's why all these people are speaking about what Jesus has done in foreign languages that you can understand. Read Acts chapter 2 for the details. It had caused quite a kerfuffle. People even thought, these people are drunk. And Peter said, no, this is what God had promised through Joel. Peter thought that it is Jesus who brings these great promises. He's the one that brings the day of the Lord. But it's not quite as simple as Joel might have thought. Because looking forward in time, Joel saw the day of the Lord coming like a storm front in the distance. But from Peter's perspective, when the, when the storm comes, when the day of the Lord comes, we see it's actually two storm fronts. If, if Peter had PowerPoint, he might have done it something like this. And so what are the two arrows? I left that. that, This is the interactive moment of the sermon. What what do you think the two arrows are? Who who wants to have a guess what the first arrow is pointing up? Come on, the kids can do it. You can too. (laughs) Jesus, yeah. What particularly about Jesus? His birth. What else? His ascension. ascension? Yeah, Peter particularly talks about Jesus death and resurrection in his sermon. And he says to them, when Jesus was raised and then when Jesus ascended to be with God, he's now poured out the Holy Spirit. And he says, now is the time when anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Anyone, no matter who you are, no matter how far away from God you've run, no matter what you've done, you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And yet there's another arrow as well. What's, what's the second arrow? Jesus return. Thank you. We still wait for Jesus to return, don't we? The day of the Lord's come, we have salvation in Christ. we have the Holy Spirit, and yet, more is to come. We wait for our Savior to return. To bring God's kingdom in its, all its fullness, to bring all these blessings, the, the new creation where there'll be no suffering or mourning or pain. And so Peter says, We live in the last days. It's like the day of the Lord's been split in two with the two comings of Jesus, and we live in between the last days. It's an extraordinary time that we live in. How extraordinary it is to live with the assurance that we have our sins forgiven that we can know God as our Father. How extraordinary that all of God's people share in his Spirit and can know God's will and can speak for God. You See, who who speaks for God here? Is it just um, Mark? Is it just Paul? No, if you're a Christian, you all share in that same Spirit and so you can all prophesy in that sense. You can all speak for God. I remember a a Christian girl I worked with. In a way, she was like the lunchtime prophet. Liz, the lunchtime prophet. Because she would speak to people at lunch about Jesus. And she knew she had a message for God from them. She was humble. She knew she didn't have all the answers. She knew only that, that the Bible is infallible, not her. But she knew that she could speak for God that she had something to say to them from God about Jesus and what God wanted them to do, to turn to Jesus. Well, the extraordinary times we live in, the last days. And so what what, what does this mean? What what joy and blessing is now ours in the last days? Well, understanding the times is the key to this, isn't it? Rejoicing in the last days. Because God actually commands us to rejoice. It's not an option. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, says the Apostle Paul. We have every reason to. Because joy comes from God, doesn't it? And from our relationship to God in Christ. From the blessings that we have received in Christ and the blessings that we look forward to and we will receive. And you know, we rejoice because we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, says Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We, we know that when Christ returns, we will enjoy abundance with him. The locust years, the years of, of suffering and pain will be repaid fully. We must be the people of joy. I mean, do do we stand out as people who rejoice? Do people around here think church by the bridge? Those people there, they're full of joy. Because we live in a a society that lacks joy. Despite all the amazing blessings God has given us in Australia, despite the security, despite the the weather, the, the prosperity, the peace, these things that we enjoy... We live in a society that that doesn't thank God, that grumbles. I mean, we we Aussies love to call uh, the English whinging poms, uh, but this this just hides the fact that we do it all the more ourselves. And, you know, we've got less reason to whinge than they do, living in Australia, surely. I mean, you know, when when Brits come to, you know, um, church here in winter, they're wearing T-shirts. They think it's great. Now, will we be known as the people of joy? Will people see our joy in our, in our thankfulness to God for the blessings that he gives us in this life and most of all for the, for the, the wonder of knowing Christ? Will they see our joy in our contentment, that, that we trust that God provides what we need? Will they, will they see our joy that, that we are people that find our joy and our meaning in Christ above all else? But joy joy is not shallow, is it? We, We rejoice even in our sufferings because we know that through them God mysteriously somehow builds our character and builds hope and works for our good. The Apostle Paul described himself in these words in 2 Corinthians 6. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It's amazing, isn't it? Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How how can that be? Wasn't our Lord himself like that? Jesus, the man of sorrows, and yet the man of unequal joy in God his Father. Well, well, Jim Packer gives a a great explanation of, of Paul as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He says... Christians have, so to speak, larger souls than other people. For grief and joy, like desolation and hope or pain and peace can coexist in our in our lives in a way that non-Christians know nothing about. Grief, desolation, pain are feelings triggered by present situations. But faith, faith in Christ, knowing Christ, that produces joy, hope, peace, at all times. And that's why we can see sometimes that the Christians who suffer the most can also be the most joyful. You can see it in the, in the persecuted church overseas. And these people that, that suffer so much can have so much joy in the Lord Jesus Christ because they know that nothing can separate them from the love of God. But e- even suffering in other ways we can see those that rejoice in the Lord. One of my closest friends has, for many years, carried the awful burden of infertility, he and his wife. He just, he just so, wants, so much wants to be a dad and she just so much wants to be a mum. And yet, despite this, this burden, so, so often a silent burden, so hard to talk to others about, despite this Their joy in the Lord has not wavered. Yes, they've found it hard. Yes, they they, they keep praying, but they've come to know God's blessings in surprising ways, His comforts. And they've come to a deeper knowledge of all that Christ is to them. And and this is where, of course, the, the prosperity gospel fails us so badly because it misunderstands the times. We don't have guarantees from God's of health and prosperity now. That's to confuse the future glory with our present. After all, Jesus himself, how did he reach his glory? Wasn't it through suffering? The suffering and agony of the cross. Through that, he then went to glory. And that's the path we're on. Because you know, it insults our, our brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution and poverty In in the Middle East or in Africa or in Indonesia, insults them if we say, well, it's lack of faith that is behind their poverty and their illness. There's no guarantees now, but we are guaranteed by God that the Spirit of Christ is leading us home through these sufferings that we experience, and that through these sufferings we may still rejoice. We live in the last days, the last days between Christ's resurrection and return. And so you walk like those Israelites of old who were freed from slavery in Egypt but had to travel through the wilderness before they reached the promised land. Well, that's like us. Christ has freed us from slavery to sin, slavery to death, slavery to the evil one. And he's leading us by his spirit until we reach glory. And when he returns, our sorrows will pass away and our joy will be complete. Until then, let's keep rejoicing in the Lord for he's done great things for us. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, You have done great things for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his death, you've given us forgiveness of sins. In his resurrection, you've given us the certainty of eternal life with him. In his ascension, you've given us the Holy Spirit so that you now live with us. I pray that we would be people of joy, that we rejoice in what you've done for us, that we rejoice in the hope of the things that lie ahead of us. And I pray that even in our sufferings, we would rejoice and support each other in rejoicing until Christ returns. Amen.